Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. I'm Kim Naoni, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship in advancement. Today, I'm honored to be joined by my friend, a longtime colleague, Laura Padron, who is now the Senior Vice President of Development at the University of Connecticut Foundation. Laura, welcome. Thank you, Kim. Thanks so much. Excited to be with you today. Yes, me too. This is, uh, you know, this this is going to be great. Congratulations. You're starting a new role, uh, you know, moving from South Florida to Snowy, Connecticut. So I'd love <laughs> to have a follow up in about uh, another winter and see <laughs> how that first adjustment went. That's a deal. All right. So let's get let, let's go get straight to it. Uh, in your career, you've been responsible for development professionals at a number of institutions. You have had many individuals that you've mentored, uh, and uh, you've been very successful at doing so. And uh, there are many who owe their careers and uh, success to you. So, talk to me about the best mentees you've had, you have worked with, and what stood out about them. I think number one is effort. When, regardless of the position, if you're on the front line, if you're in research, if you're in data entry, if you're on the admin team you are it is the effort because as you know there are multiple moving parts at varying paces and varying levels and it's it's someone who is always in there trying to to make an impact and trying to pull you know the team along so whether they're doing it accurately or at the highest level yet that's not the issue it is effort give me effort any day you can teach skills, you can't teach effort or attitude all the time. So effort number one, I think along with that is, is the enthusiasm, right? Because there is a genuine enthusiasm about people who are in this field and they genuinely like the work and like what it, what it does and what it means and, and the impact they can make. And right. I think if that is not sincere, that comes through in their ability to be successful, but it also comes through to us as leaders and managers to say, you know, is this really going to be worth a lot of my time? This person's going through the motions. They're saying the right things, but mm-hmm. eh, I'm not sold that it's completely genuine yet. So I think that enthusiasm, that genuine enthusiasm, um, the effort, I think there are people that seek out you know, they ask clarifying questions and they seek out information and they're asking questions about where they can learn more. And, you know, so that's their own initiative to to learn more and to to ask those questions, to make sure they're hearing it right or doing it right. Um, And I think the other thing is you see them actually applying the knowledge. So again, not just going through the motions, asking questions, but they're, they're applying it and you see them. And you see the little subtle differences that that it's having on their work, right? 
Um, I mean, you you just hit it, you know, you just hit it straight out the ballpark, all four, effort, enthusiasm, seeking out and asking questions and having the initiative to do so, applying the knowledge that you're learning from your, from your mentor. That, I mean, you could not have said it right. I mean, that is, that is, that is almost uh, demonstrates active listening that somebody's paying attention to, 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 to the knowledge that somebody's sharing with them and say, you know what, hmm. I'm going to take this and I'm going to do that. And then to come back and, and, and ask uh, follow-up questions. Hey, yeah. so this is what I've been doing. It worked. Uh, maybe I have this challenge. How should I navigate this next challenge? And you see them also starting to initiate ideas back, whether it's to you or to their peers, you know, or they're, they're coming up with recommendations or solutions or strategies. And so you really see that they're getting it. You know, the, the information is processing right. and they're connecting the dots. I remember one of my former supervisors early in my career always said, you know, every day somebody comes to me with so many different problems. You know, what I remember the most is those who come with me, come to me rather with problems, but also they've already thought of the solution. So they come to me and say, <laughs> well, we're having a hard time recruiting in annual giving. Uh, this is a challenge. Uh, I think uh, the solution is if we increase the salary, or maybe if we were to restructure the position and create two positions, we can get the individuals that can fill these roles. And you say, oh, great. Why don't we talk to uh, to talent management and figure out if this can be done, and then let's make it happen. Says, so, see, that makes my life a whole lot easier. <laughs> now I got a hundred other problems to deal with. Yeah, so, yeah. That, solution. That is really valuable. Yes. I can add to that, Kim, because yeah. I think. I had a colleague that said something that I, I forever remember and, and still utilize. And when I think back now, she was probably a mentor for me, you know, folks mm-hmm. that you learn from and, and take those best practices with you. But she said, you know, ideas, I don't want to have any more ideas. Ideas are a dime a dozen. What I need is someone who can implement the idea, <laughs> take it yeah. from A to Z and make it happen. Because I guarantee your idea was thought of someone else before, but what hasn't been done is the execution of the idea. And it's so true. I find myself saying that a lot. What a great idea. Go. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, it's like, uh, what was his name? Tom, uh, MySpace. You know, <laughs> Facebook was not the first ones, you know, the, 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 you know the, those, those folks are not the first people to come up with the idea. Tom was everybody's friend on MySpace, right? But the execution was not the way it should have been. And, you know, in comes Facebook and the rest is history. It's, uh, you know, you got an idea. As somebody said, you know, sometimes people spend too much time worrying about patenting the idea, licensing this and that and that. You say, you do realize that there's a high likelihood somebody has that same idea. And since you're not moving forward while you're still pontificating on how to make it better, then it's gone. (laughs) You know, somebody yeah. else will beat you to it and you'll sit there and say, well, yeah. you know, I did think about this way to measure pro- to right. measure productivity in our field, but I was afraid to bring that up to the boss because we didn't want to be the first ones who pioneered that idea. But now that we're doing it, it's like, oh man, so-and-so is doing it. Maybe we should have yeah. done it, right? We should have. <laughs> speak up. So that's a good tip. Speak up. But yes. I agree. Solutions so, and execution. Uh, That's what we want. Solutions and executions. <laughs> there we go. You want to be a, the amazing mentee that somebody's going to want to mentor you forever and take chance with you. Solutions, execution. If you remember <laughs> anything out of this conversation, that's yeah. where we go with that. That's so, right. you, you know, 
the, these kind of individuals, uh, you know, often you encounter through the workplace or you may be, maybe at a conference or, uh, you know, we're over at case three, we're, we're having a social hour or whatnot, and you meet somebody, they meet you, they start having a conversation, and there's something about them, you say, you know what, I see this person going somewhere, or maybe they may ask you, in, in your experience, uh, most of the folks you mentor, were they folks that um, came to you or organically doing through the organization? I think it's um, it's two way, right? It's it's two way. I think you know it's all those traits that we talked about earlier that I see as a as a manager and a leader, and I'm going to seek out those folks, um, and I'm going to talk to them. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them some questions. I'm gonna ask them, you know, what's working, what's not working. You know, how are they feeling? What do they like the most about what they do? What do they like the least about what they do? And again, I, I feel like it's frontline and across the board, um, but that's telling. And then of course to ask, what, where do you see yourself? Where do you wanna be? You know, right. that question, three years from right. now, five years from now, because I think when you're asking those questions and you're asking them for you know, open communication, then that opens up to say, hey, I'm interested in supporting you and what you want to do. So that's kind of a way to reach out to be a mentor. But I've also had um, folks come in, come to me and say, hey, can I get on your calendar? I'd like to ask you a few questions. And so I encourage it. You know, it's a it's a two way street for sure. Right. It has to be. Uh, I mean, uh, I think the most successful relationships uh, between a mentor and a mentee are ones where somebody's proactive and uh, then there's that mutual proactiveness. I mean, I'm always, I have a number of people that I mentor and I'm always thinking about our last conversation. I wonder what they're doing or one who reached out to me and uh, their boss had called the entire development team and they're talking about, we need to increase, uh, you know, uh, cultivation. We need to see more, more visits before the end of the fiscal year. And so, you know, they call me and said, this, you know, this person is coming in. I mean, we've already been working hard and they're pushing us to do more and more and more and more. I mean, this is outside the scope of what I'm supposed to be doing at my level. And I said, well, so uh, have you ever stopped to think about maybe somebody else who is, is your boss's boss and that somebody else uh, has uh, charted out a, a new path. And there's a reason why they're asking that. Not because they just want to be crazy and they don't understand that you all are busy already. It's just that they have a boss to report to who has a boss that they report to. <laughs> so, so try to understand those pressures. And, and so they asked me, how would I exactly get to that? I mean, how do I ask without sounding that I'm ungrateful or I don't want to work hard? And I said, well, I mean, uh, don't, you know, maybe don't ask uh, in the, in the group meeting, maybe go and have, you know, have a sit down with them and say, Hey, I understand um, during our meeting that you want us to increase productivity. Currently, this is what I'm doing. And, and could, you, could you please share a little bit about what the goal is here so that I have helped me understand exactly. so that I can, I can, exactly. I can best uh, pivot or uh, you know, work yeah. to meet your goal. And so in that way, you're not questioning them. You are right. reframing and asking for clarification and allowing them to unpack that for you. And they may even think about, you know what, 
that's a good suggestion. I may just share that with the entire team that this is mm -hmm. while mm -hmm. we're doing that. I'm, I'm, I appreciate you, you mentioning this because you you were not. I was not very clear, perhaps. And so well, that's doing what we talked about earlier. Yeah. Like that, that's an individual who's seeking more information, seeking clarification, seeking to understand and learn more. And especially when you're talking to a leader, because you can then understand the perspective from where they sit. And that Absolutely. is wanting to learn more. So Absolutely. that is definitely a mentee in the making. That's great advice, Tim. So at what point in one's advancement journey would, would you advise them to seek a mentor? Day one, I think from day one, um, you know, it's not so much that you start your job and you immediately start seeking a mentor, but like we talked about, you're seeking information, you're seeking knowledge. Right. And as you do that, you're going to interact with different people at different levels. And I think also it's watching and listening. Because if you watch Amen. successful people, right? You watch successful people, you listen to them, and you will start to realize, you know, one or two individuals that resonate with you and, and your personality. And you feel like, wow, I, I can say it like that, or I can do that. And you kind of, you know, they inspire you. And I think that you know, it's multiple people, right? It's not just particularly one. And then I, I think when you identify that person or person um, that has that approach that you're comfortable with, you, you ask, you ask for that time, you know, can I get on your calendar? Can I, can I chat? I, I heard you saying this and that, you know, that really resonated with me or what did you mean by that? Or how did you get that? And then the other thing I would do is, is to ask, also, if you can join them in something, mm -hmm. you know, if it's a if it's a discovery call, can I get on the phone with you? Can I hear how you get that meeting? Can I go with you to meet that um, prospect or donor? Because I'm really, you know, you know, want to learn more about this or whatever. So I think it's not just asking for advice and information, but also asking to join them um, in some aspect of your role. I recall years ago, my first uh, uh, district conference uh, in Atlanta, uh, I, I met a gentleman who was presenting to all the entry level uh, uh, workshops, uh, Danny Nicholson at the time, he was uh, vice president of Coastal Carolina. And uh, Danny also used to be a preacher and a, and a, and a musician. And uh, the interesting thing about Danny was that, uh, you know, he was very passionate about the work that he did. And he, when you just talk to him, you know, he had this enthusiasm about him that was very contagious. And he, you know, I remember him telling me and said, he, he, he wouldn't mind me sharing this, but, you know, he said, you know, Kim, I tell you what, I've had many opportunities to go and work for these big universities, raised a ton of money, but I'm just happy down here and, you know, down South, I live, you know, five miles away from my work over here in Pauly's Island. And I got my beautiful wife and my boys and, my work-life balance is great. And guess what? We raised $10 million here and you can see the impact. Yeah. And for me, it's not so much about being in big research and all that. That's for, for somebody else. I'm all about the impact. And later on in his career, he left higher education and was working for, uh, you know, as a CEO of a home for, uh, for children who did not have a place to live. And so, you know, truly somebody who was uh, mission driven and early on in my career, that was a great lesson. 
uh, to watch somebody. I say, you know, this is the guy that I can I, I want to emulate because he's in it for the right reason. He's not in it for 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 all the other externalities. For him, it's about the impact of philanthropy and how it can transform lives. And so, what you're saying is absolutely, absolutely important. So, let's shift gears here and talk about campaigning, a okay. subject that we both have been uh, familiar with, and I've I've lived in a in the world of comprehensive campaigns. So as you know, many institutions are actively working through comprehensive capital campaigns or are exiting a successful campaign. In such an environment, there's a great demand for talent and a short supply of experienced development professionals. We know that. So this calls for leadership to become more diligent in mentoring and nurturing their teams to ensure that they can keep talent if it makes sense, because sometimes it doesn't, you know, people need to grow. So you need to help them get there, whatever that there may be. What are your thoughts about mentoring in such an environment and how should one address mentoring given the realities that post campaign, uh, you know, you, you may be very successful. So that means your team members are going to be highly marketable to others and you don't have room to allow them to grow, to grow within the organization, as you say, rather. So what are yeah. your thoughts? I think it's interesting because in many ways, and you've seen this, Tim, too, because you are seasoned development professional at multiple institutions, and just the trends in philanthropy alone have shifted from the old school, not-for-profit charitable organization into a more corporate-like run organization right. um, with efficiency and accountability. And I think that that this is another piece that is catching up to mm -hmm. philanthropy and nonprofit is this whole idea of your succession plan, right? That's yep. where big corporations have always been, you know, who's next in line for CEO, COO, when you have shareholders and millions and billions of dollars at stake, that's a big part of the company's culture. But I think for, for philanthropy, it has not been, but now the market trend is forcing us just like it did um, a decade ago about changing how we fundraise. Mm -hmm. Now it's how do we, you know, develop our workforce. And right. so that whole succession planning is a thing. And I also like to look at it as bench depth, like sports, you know, you got your first string in yep. and when they're recruited or a free agent, um, who's next? Who's, who's on your bench? Who's your second string that's going to be your superstar? So I think that it does have to be a conscious effort um, to look not only at staying plugged into the community where you can recruit others, mm -hmm. but also make that investment. Start with that bench uh, depth development and, and start with those, those shining stars that have that effort, have that enthusiasm. And even before our market became really dry, especially for frontline, We've had such great success in mentoring and home our homegrown folks that there was always um, initiative for for me to do that because it it paid off in the end. Um, so I think that, but going through a campaign, it's even more important because you know that your superstars are going to move into free agency and you're going to need to develop. And I think it's also great to think about your organization being known for that. So if someone can say, wow, 
you worked for Laura Padron, you were here, then that says something on your resume. So that's also beneficial to us as leaders and managers to invest because if they're working for you, you want to get them, you know, to be experts in whatever field they're in, um, get them on that bus. Eventually Absolutely. they can get to drive the bus or drive another bus or get them off the bus because that's also has your reputation yeah. attached to it attached to it as well but i do think and and you know what it has to be manager led i do believe that like we've got to as leaders identify folks that are worth that investment and make it make it in the training front make it in the conference you know front make it in the time that you spend with with them um but it also doesn't have to be uh the whole let's say program or curriculum if you will of mentoring doesn't have to be one person because it could be peers. You know, your colleague is great at those discovery calls. You need to spend time with her or him. And, you know, this colleague is great. Like connect the strengths amongst your team so that they are learning from each other. So the mentoring can can be across as well as up and down and sideways. So I think it's just a matter of but again, it takes time as leaders to work with, and I would even suggest as far as working with your HR team to say, hey, here's the career path or professional development plan for this person. That also helps with retention, right? So we're growing right. our talent, but we're also looking at how do we retain them? So I, I think it's just, again, having that more corporate lens as nonprofits evolve. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. So the you know, a couple of things come to mind here, actually more than a couple. So one thing, as you're talking about mentor, multi-level mentoring, okay? Uh, absolutely. It's got to start from the top. If you have the kind of leader that, say, hires their cabinet with an eye towards who can replace me and ensures that their, their direct reports have that same mindset, then you're going to have that ripple effect because people are going to be looking to stock the pipeline. And I think the sidebar to that is when we think about these uh, career roadmaps, you know, career plan is a plan for John Doe. You know, oftentimes I don't think we look at the uh, what a career portfolio, you know, not just a roadmap, but if we are looking at an organization as a whole, somebody working in advancement service, somebody working in front lines, somebody working in gift processing, donor relations, and they want to be in the leadership role. What is the path, what does the path look like for those individuals and the different nods that they're in? <clears throat> and not only that, what are the tools that we need to add to their toolkit as mm-hmm. they move along so That's that cool. if they're an assistant director, associate director, they get to that opportunity where there's a directorship open, they have the experience within the organization that can move up. If they're in donor relations, they have that experience to do the same thing so that everybody within the organization can see themselves uh, being successful. And the other part of it too, is the idea that I, I started doing years ago and I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear a lot of people are doing uh, of having your personal cabinet. So by that, I mean, you know, have, I have former supervisors as somebody who supported me administratively. I have colleagues and there's about five or six people Anytime that I'm considering even an internal move, an opportunity within my organization, these are the five people that I usually mm-hmm. talk to. Mm-hmm. And these are five people that can give me very honest feedback. You know what, mm-hmm. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
a long time ago, one of my uh, former administrative assistants, she knew me well. I mean, we're still friends to this day, knew me like the back of her head. And so I was looking at a certain opportunity and she said, what is that organization like? So yeah, I, I don't really, that's not going to work out for you. I mean, yes, you know, they're too rigid for you. You know, you need, you need a breathing room or what have you, or another opportunity to say, well, I really think you should look at this. And I think as part of, uh, you know, uh, you know, in response to what you're talking about in terms of how how do we pivot to create that environment? And I think it's also encouraging uh, our teams to have that mindset. Think about, you know, your personal cabinet, even if you're entry level, have two people yeah. that you trust that you can talk to. And then uh, proactively as organizations, trying to match people with peers, uh, with others and encourage them to seek out leadership. It could be just 10 minutes yeah. You say, hey, can I get, you know, do you, uh, do you want to walk for 10 minutes? I have a question I want to ask you. And, yeah. uh, you know, in most uh, organizations, even somebody who's a CEO will say, absolutely, we'll be, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'd love to. And in Great. some that where they can't do that, then they'll direct to somebody who can help do that and 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 relate that to you. So I think it's absolutely critical uh, that we we create that environment. I liked your, your idea of succession planning, uh, you know, uh, loading your bench, thinking about what's next, who's next, yeah. and ensuring that not if people understand not everybody is meant to be the CEO or not everybody's meant to be the VP. Right. And it's okay for that to happen. Somebody's yeah. somebody's meant to be the chief data officer, the yeah. CFO, and what have you. And it's okay to have that. So let's not build with a thought towards everybody being the VP and the mm -hmm. SAVP. Mm -hmm. Let's build with a thought of having a bench that's deep with leaders at the number two, number three, number four, so that when we have natural attrition or unnatural attrition, we have somebody that's ready to go. And I also think to the next point, uh, you know, as far as that is re relates is working with our HRs or your talent management program uh, within the organization to create a path or an opportunity to where you can actually do that because you and I know in many places, I can groom somebody and they're ready as the third person, uh, their CFO, CRO, whoever uh, moves on. And all of a sudden, I got to go through a, a search for, for six months before yeah. I can fill that role. And so that person sits there and says, well, okay, so I've done all this. You told me that I should work hard and I did that. I did everything that you asked. We have a succession plan, but now there's a chance that this might not work out for me. And you know, that's reality. And so what do yeah. people do? Then they leave yeah. and now we've lost all that institutional knowledge and preparation that we have. Not saying that that's, that should always be the case, but also yeah. saying that do your best to ensure that that happens. But if there's not, it does not happen, there is a plan to help that person achieve yeah. what, they've, what they've learned. Because otherwise, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be losing, uh, you know, lots of talent uh, from, from the industry. And uh, as you said earlier, there are many organizations that are known to be sort of like that uh, minor league or major league training ground that have influence all over the country. I mm -hmm. can think of a number of places where you look around the country, there are at least six or seven vice presidents, CFOs, CEOs, or what have you that started from that organization. And to me, there's no better uh, gratification or self-fulfillment than looking at the fact that we paved the road for somebody else to be successful, not us, but for them. I mean, exactly. it's just, it, it, it is, it's very empowering to me. Exactly. 
exactly. So any additional thoughts as, uh, as we, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, you know, what, are, what, what key takeaways, uh, would you like uh, to to provide to our, to our audience here as it relates to mentorship in the comprehensive campaign environment and also finding a, a mentor or a mentee that you can work with in order to build the pipeline for uh, for fundraising uh, future? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for takeaways for both the mentor and the mentee is that, you know, you've got to be open um, and open to learn, learning something new, learning new ways of doing things. Right. Um, right. you know, there's always something new to learn. Think about oh, how yes. many conferences we go to and we're like, oh, what am I going to learn from this? Oh, there's always a handful of nuggets that you take back with you. And I think you have to have that same attitude in the office when you're working with folks that, you know, oh, I already need to work with them. I know. No, you don't talk to them, you know, and exactly. as a mentor, you learn a lot from your mentee. These, oh, yes. These, um, new, new, um, new to the industry have great ideas and a new perspective and again across the board at any level at any um area of development and advancement i think it's so great so you've got to approach it as as open um and you know because the minute you think you're the smartest person in the room you probably um need to leave the room <laughs> because yeah, it may not even be true but just your attitude is already wrong yeah so you're, in the, think... you're in the wrong room there <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think for mentees who you know if if they're starting to feel a disconnect or or not inspired by their mentor again that that doesn't mean that you've learned all there is it means you need to keep asking those questions but talk to others. And again, those others could be your peers, you know, how, cause we're always learning from each other again at mm -hmm. all levels. Like you said, multi-level mentoring. I like that, that term. And uh, that's exactly what it is. So, you know, seek out and to your point about your cabinet, your cabinet can also be outside your organization because you be. can learn from others. It should be different perspectives, best practices. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, the well, one thing that just came up to me is I'm thinking about the generation that's graduating from college this year, you know, 2022, and in the next five years, okay, they are extremely different from <laughs> what traditionally we expect folks to be. I mean, they think outside the box to the nth degree, they donate money differently, uh, they, they want their work to be reflective of their values and those kind of things. They do not want a traditional, uh, you know, uh, work-life balance. They want to be yeah. able to be free, but be uh, trusted with responsibility so that if they own, if they start a project, they own it and yeah. they can deliver. It's a completely different mindset and shift from traditional advancement yeah. thinking we're more so thinking 20 years from now, we're going to do, we will change or pivot. But these folks are saying, no, I'm not going to wait a year to right. figure out what your plan is. I want to know the plan now. And otherwise, you know, I'll just do my time and be gone. And the thing is, some people are dismissive and say, well, yeah, so what? You know, I mean, we, we don't want those kind of people. We want these standards. But I, I say, your standards are based in the 21st century. These yeah. people are thinking the 22nd, 23rd. They're way ahead. Yeah. So yeah. You know, talk to me about your, th your thoughts regarding how do we, because we're going <laughs> to be hiring these people uh, in the field. 
and uh, they're going to be coming in. Uh, but some may not. We may lose out and yeah. have an even bigger talent gap mm -hmm. because they may look at us as being Neanderthals and say, you know what, this is, I don't want to be part of all of that. I mean, I can go yeah. and, 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 and tweet my way into a different future. So yeah. I, I've, I've just been fascinated about this subject and thinking, yeah. how do we prepare? How do we, how do we prepare the organization now? Not in the future now, so yeah. that that next generation can come in and allow them to help us evolve because we need to. Yeah. It's evolve or die. For yeah. sure. And, and I think that this could be a whole nother podcast. For, oh, yes. For, for you. And I, I would love to be a part of that because I do think it's, it's transformational. And mm -hmm. I do think the organizations that are going to be the head of the curve are the ones that can get their arms around this and, and, you know, go. And I recall a good, gosh, almost 20 years ago, when my organization at the time said, you know, we're realizing that donors are changing and they're, they have multiple choices now in giving to nonprofits. It's not just the top five of their neighborhood or their organization. And how, what are we doing to retain our donors? You know, we need to look at stewardship and donor relations. We're going to create a shop for donor relations and stewardship because this is how we've got to capture the new donor and keep the the new donor and our existing donors and that was it seems ridiculous now but it seems like that was a very revolutionary idea oh there yeah were only a handful of shops around the country that you could even benchmark about what a department of donor relations and stewardship does but again those who came right off off the block right away had a big advantage over over that and i think this is you know you've just nailed it this is another big revolution of the next not only the next employees but the next donors that next generation is how are we appealing to them how are we adapting and how are we you know um engaging and integrating and i i think it goes along again in the business model the early adapters uh, are going to be ahead of the curve. And I think there's so many possibilities, particularly with technology. I mean, look what just the pandemic did with, with Zoom. Look at us Zooming and, oh, yeah. and podcasting. So Absolutely. look at these are ways to to reach them. When we think about mentorship, you know, they probably get on a blog and, and podcast and and talk to their cabinets and and people from all over the world. So I do think it's something that, you know, we need to look at. And I do think it's going to be advantageous for those who figure it out and, and early adopt and lead the way um, because it's coming. It's here. Oh, oh, it is. I mean, and it's funny that you mentioned that because we're definitely going to do a follow up and focus on that because, uh, uh, you know, us at Evertrue Studios here, one of the things that we've been trying to do is to create platforms for uh, individuals and professionals to unpack ideas that can help a profession be better and uh, prepare for the future. And uh, I just had a conversation with a friend and colleague of mine who spent an entire career in the private uh, corporate education space uh, with mm -hmm. uh, Oracle University and things like that. And he now uh, is a Dean of uh, Education for Wiley Education Services Publishing Company that has a a, 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 a workforce uh, sort of a training, uh, uh, you know, institute that's part of that he runs. 
And uh, our conversation was the future of work, preparing the team of the future. And so in that podcast uh, that will be coming up here, we talk about the Wiley Edge uh, Academy mm-hmm. that takes uh, you know these uh, recent grads who are going to work in a certain industry, let's say tech, and then they put them through a 12-week boot camp uh, where they learn about industry. These would be people that come from an English background. Maybe they don't know about network administration. They'll put them through their training instead of mm-hmm. like a corporate introduction to this client one-on-one. And it's essentially invest in them that wow. those 12 weeks. And by, by, by the end of that program, they'll place them with their client for another year. So uh, this per, the, these individuals for two years will be paid by the company. And... Mm-hmm. They already come in job ready and mm. they understand the industry, even though they have degrees that have a different background. Right. And so that. we're looking at that and that saves the company a lot of uh, resources uh, to uh, to invest in corporate training and things like that, which makes them scalable. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that we talk about is how do we take that model and scale it to advancement mm-hmm. so that an institution with a million dollar budget or 10 million mm-hmm. can be able to utilize that model and bring people in who are fresh out of college. Maybe they're coming in with zero uh, nonprofit or work experience for right, that to, right. to begin with. And we're able to upskill them and up, you know, uh, and cross-skill them. If somebody's working in advancement services and they want to be a frontline fundraiser because that's what they like to do. We can cross cross uh, train them, mm-hmm. and boom, there they go. And it reduces the cost to individuals organize, organizations, and it makes it more interesting as a way to to do that. And and I thought that was fascinating because this is a tech solution. They're doing that in the yeah. tech space and whatever. But I see our problems and our challenges and say, man, Absolutely. we could address this till yesterday. So. Looking forward to uh, to you listening to that, and we definitely got to have a follow up here. Yes, to be I continued. Know, to be continued. <laughs> we can speak here forever. So, Wonderful. well, there you have it, folks. Uh, I'm Kim Naoni. Thanks for tuning in to Mentorship Matters. See you soon.